Good afternoon, Saints fans. Welcome into another edition of Houdat Nation Live. Happy draft night to each of you. Steven Taranto here with us. Yep. Taranto. Yep. We just got done talking about that. Yeah, we... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we, we tried to make sure we had that right beforehand, <laughs> but uh, I see that we've started a little bit on the wrong foot, but that's okay. We're already off the tracks here, but we're going to get back on. We've, gonna, we've got plenty of draft content for you here at 24-7 Sports, where we're going to talk your team all the time. Saints are on the clock at pick 27. We'll get to that. We've got Saints draft news coming up. Our final mock draft for the Saints. We're going to break down the 2018 schedule. We're going to take your questions, too, so go ahead Lock and load. Get those questions in there. Uh, and we're going to answer as many of those as possible. Steve and I are going to debate the 2018 schedule. You want to see this. Uh, first and foremost, with it being draft night, Stephen, we've, we've been here for months now, breaking down all of these players from the first pick all the way to the last pick. What draft night surprise or hot take do you want to jump right into? Well, I'm not sure if uh, this is much of a surprise for Nation, but uh, I feel like in the past couple of days, the uh, the quarterback picture has become much, much clearer. And here's what I think is going to happen. So Baker Mayfield, number one overall to the Browns, I think has picked up steam the past couple of days. You know, it looks likely that that's going to happen, which I, th- I think it's the right move, by the way. So I think you'll end up with that. I think... In that case, the Giants, you know, because they, I think they've said if they'll take any quarterback, they'll take Darnold. So I think they end up with him. Uh, the Jets, they, they've been interested in Baker Mayfield, but I think ultimately they'll be stuck with Josh Allen. Now, my, my hot take really comes with Josh Rosen because with everything that's been reported in the past couple of days, it's it would suggest that Josh Rosen will have an Aaron Rodgers-style fall for the draft. I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is the Arizona Cardinals are going to draft their pick with the Denver Broncos, and they're going to take Rosen fifth overall. So I, I, I think he falls a little bit from where he was projected to go. You know, he, throughout the draft process, it was said that he'd be one of those top three overall picks. I think he falls no further than five. I think, uh, I think the Cardinals get their man. All right, Cardinals get their man at five with the draft with the Broncos. Now time for your Saints hot takes. And we're going to get a little bit more into this in the detail with the mock draft. Um, go ahead. We've already seen some uh, some questions there. Monte says, do we draft an edge rusher? Do we draft a DB? Hang tight. We're getting ready to get to that. TJ said, it's like draft day equals Christmas day for us. It definitely is feels like a Christmas day in for us here in the studios here. Um, but let's get to that Saints draft news. Ian Rappaport early this morning discussed the possibility of the Saints drafting up from 27. Now that poses the question here. Do they go get their quarterback or are they going to go get one of those edge guys? Let's get your thoughts, Steve. Well, I think the Saints have a very good problem in the sense that they really don't have a lot of holes on their roster to address. And I think that what the situation that puts them in is that they can address depth. They can address depth on their offensive line, their defensive line, or they can take a tight end. So I think that if the Saints go on either of those, uh, th- either of those three categories, I think they're I think they're in for a pretty solid draft. And I'm going to agree with you to a certain extent there, as far as if they make a trade, if they can get into, let's say, they find their guy Harold Landry, and he's within striking distance. I think they go ahead and and they pull the trigger to get up to that. Now, as far as a quarterback, I don't know if this is the year they're gonna they're gonna prove. Uh, yeah. Make that move. I would, I would have said about a month ago that that might be that might be likely, but uh, 
I think that this court, this draft is going to be so top heavy on quarterbacks that you're going to be kind of left with sloppy seconds as far as uh, quarterbacks go by the time the Saints pick. So I think that you know what? Here's the thing about you know Harold, Harold Landry, Arden Key, all those guys. You can never do about. You can never have too many pass rushers. So I think that that would be a solid. Uh, that would be a solid course of action for the Saints to take. Right, and so time will tell as far as everyone's asking. You mean Josh Allen? Uh, I don't see the Saints draft uh, moving up to take him. Um, obviously made some controversial, made some controversial uh, news earlier today uh, and last night. So um, Brandon Williams says, I love draft day. We do too around here. Um, D. Johnson says, go get Goddard. Say that three times fast. So without further ado, are, how we, are we talking uh, Goddard the scientist? You know, what did, what did he do again? I, it's, <laughs> it's been a while since... Uh, it must have been something physics-oriented. I, I need to open a book sometime. So without further ado, we are going to give you your final mock draft for the Saints for 2018. Let's let it roll right here. So with pick number 27, you can take this for a hot take all you want. The Saints are going to select DJ Moore, wide receiver out of Maryland. Steven, let's get your initial thoughts on that one. Ooh, I'm not sure I like you know what? I've really soured on wide receivers in the mm. first round of the draft because, you know, you had the great draft class in 2014, you know, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then since then, it has not been good. I mean, you've had some exceptions to the rule, but other than that, you've had Kevin White, Corey Coleman, Rashad Perriman, uh, Philip Dorsett, you know, Mike Williams, guys who have just not lived up to, at best, not lived up to expectations. Right. So I, I think uh, I've, I've really kind of soured on, you know, guys, even even though I, I like Anthony Miller out of Memphis. I think uh, I think he, he's worthy of, uh, you know, late first round pick. But I don't know. I just, I just feel like wide receiver has become a bit too much of a too much of a risk. Just, you know. In fairness to them, but just based off of recent draft classes, I'm not sure I like that course of action. So we've got a question here. Ralph uh, says, compare Moore to a current wide receiver, please. What you're going to get with DJ Moore is speed, speed, and more speed. You're going to get a guy that's got sure hands, doesn't have the size that, say, Michael Thomas does, who's currently on the roster, but you're going to get a sure-handed guy. And you're also going to get another dynamic weapon for Drew Brees, somebody that can really pop the top off of a defense. So uh, that's probably the best comparison that you're going to have right there. Maybe a younger version of Ted Ginn, who we all know who's, who's aging now. He's 32. So they're thinking um, right now that this pick at 27, we need someone that can come in and play immediately. Not necessarily start, but they need to be an impact uh, type of a guy here, and I think with DJ Moore, he gives you that. I think uh, I'm going to go a little further with uh, your Ted Ginn comparison. I think that if I were to compare DJ Moore to someone else uh, currently playing, I'd go I'd go with Torrey Smith because Torrey Smith, you know, deep vertical threat, a bit surer-handed than Ginn has been through the years, but he's changed that with the Saints. Yeah, and uh, so that's great. And so just some other options, some names that we've mentioned on here as well. Uh, Cortland Sutton out of SMU. Calvin Ridley out of Alabama. We just put out an article there. Brad Crawford here at 24-7 Sports wrote about how Calvin Ridley is not getting any love, and he's arguably the most talented wide receiver. So why do you think that Calvin Ridley has almost just disappeared in the draft talk, especially in the first round? I think it's. Uh, I think it kind of goes back to my point earlier about uh, – you know, people souring on first-round wide receivers. I want to say that uh, it was Sports Illustrated or something like that who had a big 
piece on why, you know, wide receivers in the first round aren't making that transition to the, the NFL. So uh, I think that Ridley, I like Ridley. I, I was really a big fan of him in Alabama, knew he had talent, but uh, I think he's been somewhat suspected that. But, you know, uh, one of the more successful guys to go in the first round as a wide receiver recently was out of Alabama, Amari Cooper of the Oakland Raiders. So I think uh, I think Rid- I think in terms of if anyone's going to be just fine, I think Ridley's going to be it. All right. So moving along, as you know, the Saints do not have a second round pick. Uh, I think that's going to prohibit them from trading up any higher than into the top mm-hmm. 10 this evening. So um, if they stay at round three, I'm I'm going with I'm, I'm agreeing with our writer here, James Parks. He's got a familiar name on this show and a familiar name to who that nation. And that's Arden Key out of LSU. Um, we've talked about his his on the field and off the field issues here. Um, I would say he's first-round talent, but yeah. the red flags at this point will drop him to the third round. Yeah. Arden Key uh, was a very popular, when I was doing uh, some, when I was aggregating some mock drafts during the uh, regular season, he was a very popular first-round pick. Uh, you know, obviously he's got had some things in the draft process that have uh, had him fall to where, where he has in this mock draft. I'm going to go contrarian here. I'm not so sure that he falls quite this far. I think uh, I think he's talented enough that someone will take a chance on him in the second round. I think, uh, you know, it would be a nice I- ideal situation for the Saints if he were to fall around three, but uh, I just don't see that happening. Steven doesn't have Arden Key falling past the second round. We've got him at pick 91. This is why we do this. We bring this. We give you all different perspectives here, folks. We want to hear what you have to think here. As far as our first and second You pick, need to think for yourselves. There you go. As Kanye says, think for yourselves. Yes, I just dropped a Kanye West reference in here on Saints Facebook Live. Let's move on to round four. Now, another position that Sean Payton has discussed that is a dire need um, has been addressed. And Hank Hamilton says it. He says, get a tight end. We signed Ben Watson in the offseason. You still have Kobe Fleener. You still have uh, Josh Hill and Michael Hamanawanui. My favorite player to say, obviously. Now, with that being said, we've said over and over again, we think Kobe Fleener is going to be on his way out come the post-June 1st cut day. Yeah. Um, so with that, in uh, pick 127, Ian Thomas out of Indiana would be more of a project guy. Um, he's not going to come in and compete for that starting role. But I, I think with having Ben Watson there, having that uh, that veteran presence, you'd be able to like coach this guy up for at least another year or two before he thrown into that offense. I really like the idea of the Saints taking another tight end. However, I don't necessarily think they'll wait till round four. I think uh, something that's picked up steam in some recent days, I think the Saints are end up going to end up using the first round pick on a tight end. I think it's going to be Hayden Hurst. Here's, here's why. If you look at the Saints tight end core right now, I don't see a guy who's, you know, and I'm thinking in terms of the end within the division of the NFC South. I don't see a guy who is necessarily the equivalent of Greg Olson, both mm-hmm. in terms of production and in terms of leadership. I mean, you can make that argument with uh, Ben Watson. They were both Waller Payne Man of the Year finalists. But, you know, Watson hasn't taken a snap for the Saints yet. So, you know, I can't necessarily say that in fairness. So, Hayden Hurst is a big Greg Olson fan. I think that uh, I think that if the Saints really want to take another uh, – shot across the bow of, uh, of the Panthers, I think they'll take Hurst and essentially, you know, present, you know, a mirror image 
of one of their division rivals' most hmm. potent weapons. That's a great point there, too, as we've all talked about on this show. We've talked about Hayden Hurst, uh, the tight end, All-SEC out of South Carolina, Dallas Goddard out of South Dakota State, both freak athletes that would be a matchup nightmare, especially in the NFC South. I like Mark Andrews, too, out of Oklahoma. Mark think- Andrews, we've mentioned him as well. Uh, Mike Jacecki from Penn State. Plenty of options at tight end, so I think that's why the Saints, they feel like they could probably find a project guy in the mid-rounds, and that's why I'm going with Ian Thomas. So uh, we're going to go over to the fifth round, and you're going to love this pick, Stephen, because I know you and how you like the X's and O's in football. Uh, with pick number 164 in the fifth round, New Orleans Saints will select Dimitri Flowers, a fullback. Yes, I said it, a fullback out of Oklahoma. Great, I like fullbacks. Any relation to Eric Flowers? <laughs> I, that I don't know. Okay, uh, look, well, based on uh, based on what's gone off the Giants, let's hold on. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. And so with that being said, though, we, we re-signed Zach Line. Um, John Kuhn, as you know, last year hurt, then released. And back, he was on the IR, excuse me there. Uh, you bring in another guy that brings versatility, not only to the passing game, but can open up some holes for uh, Kamara as well as Mark Ingram. So the big the big thing with Flowers there is that versatility um, and the fullback. It's, I feel like it's on its way back into you know, football. Uh, especially uh, if you want to talk about mimicking your division rivals, uh, when the Panthers were so successful back in uh, back in the early mid two thousand tens, you had to, who did you have leading the way for guys like uh, Jonathan Stewart and Daniel Williams? You had Mike Tolbert. Mm-hmm. So if the Saints want to fill that power vacuum that uh, has been, you know, I almost want to say been left as you know that Carolina squad has gotten older, you would uh, you would try and mimic what made them so successful. And I think that having a fullback that not only can lead the way for you know guys like Kamara, guys like Ingram but can also be a potent threat in the, in the rushing attack as well. I think uh, that would be an ideal, optimal situation for the uh, course of action for the Saints to take. And you know this better than anyone in here as far as knowing your knowledge of the NFC South. Uh, Sean Payton's not afraid to get creative. And no, this, not. And this adds another wrinkle to an offense that's already dynamic. Yep, and it can also block too. Yeah, and so uh, big things there. I love the pick of a fullback. Uh, let's see if that stays true. So yeah. we're going to move on to especially this. With, uh, especially with the way the Saints have become a more physical team uh, in the past year, especially. Yeah, I think that fits into the, what uh, what they've gone, the road they've gone down very well. Absolutely. So we're going to move on to the sixth round, Stephen. We've got two sixth round picks at pick 189. Trey Matthews, a safety out of Auburn. Uh, now you're going to scratch your heads. Why are we drafting another safety? We just picked up Kirk Coleman in the offseason. We have Von Bell. We have Marcus Williams. We seem like we're set in the secondary for the uh, foreseeable future. Uh, What I like about this guy is uh, he can play multiple positions on the defense. And so with that being said, you know, you can bring him in on a blitz package and a sub package. Um, You know, he can play in the box. He can play out in space as well. And oh, by the way, he does give you some depth in that secondary. Two thing, two things that I like about this pick. One is, as you mentioned, depth. You can never have too many guys who are good at, who are good in the defensive backfield. But but another thing, I know you mentioned Kirk Coleman, but uh, he's not a sure thing as far as free agent signings go. He had that excellent year mm-hmm. in 2015, and then you just haven't seen it since. Uh, he he was a captain in Carolina, but if you look at the performance of uh, that. Carolina defensive backfield last year, you know, Kirk Coleman wasn't making much of an impact. So I, uh, so I mean, if he struggles out of the gate, it would be good to have someone at least at least a project guy 
back there who could, you know, fill fill the void if you know, he doesn't live up to expectations. No, that's right. And uh, D. Johnson says, love 24-7 Saints Live. D, we love you as well. Thank you for the support there. Um, next on that pick at 201, maybe a little head scratcher for some fans here. Chase Edmonds, he's a running back out of Fordham. Now, before you go off the handle here, nothing's happening with Mark Ingram. Not yet, as we should say. Nothing's happening with Alvin here. Now, you have to think long-term with this pick here. Yeah. Um, he's a speedster guy. He could help out on special teams. He was top five all-time in FCS uh, rushing. Um, but bring it back to Mark Ingram, looking long-term. As we know, he's a free agent at the end of the next season. Mm -hmm. So if just by some chance, if he does not pan out, is which I don't see any reason why he wouldn't at this point, this could be another option for him. Yeah. You know what I like about this pick? Fordham guy. Because uh, I've got a family background there. My uh, my old man's uh, class of 78 at Fordham. So I, it would be pretty cool to see uh, a Fordham running back, uh, you know, get into the NFL and have success. And again, I don't want to. I don't want uh, any of the Saints fans to hit the panic button. Nothing is going on with the greatest one-two duo in the NFL right now. This is strictly for long-term potential here, especially these later-round guys. Yep. They're going to be fighting for their lives in training camp. Uh, once you get into that that sixth, seventh-round guy, there's no guarantee that they even make a roster. Mm -hmm. So first, uh, so our final pick, round seven, two forty-five. Uh, Get a little bit more depth at the linebacker core. We've already addressed it in free agency with Demario Davis out of the Jet with the Jets. Uh, Paris Bennett out of Syracuse again uh, comes in, fights for a spot on the defense, but more than more more so, he's special teams, um, kind of a project guy. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, you know, you know me. I love my linebackers, and uh, I especially love my linebackers in terms of the Saints because you know you remember. You remember the old Dome Patrol? Oh, I, yeah. I would love to, uh, I mean, especially with what they've got now with uh, A.J. Klein and uh, Manti Teo. I mean, maybe not uh, maybe not Ricky Jackson, Sam Mills, Pat Swilling, uh, Vaughn Johnson, but, uh, I mean, if you, if you have a solid linebacking core, you can't go wrong. And that and there you go. You said it correctly. And just a little tidbit on Bennett. He was all SC, uh, all ACC. Led the team in tackles with over a hundred over a hundred tackles, eleven for a loss. So uh, can make the plays down the field uh, in the trenches there. So with that being said, we have wrapped up our final mock draft. Uh, let's see. Hank Hamilton says add Arden Key to that group. We did at pick ninety one. Uh, TJ says, did you see that we want to trade up into the teens? We did see that. I don't know how much of that is a smokescreen at this point. Uh, I think all bets are off. Um, I'm not going to put anything to bed until it's until it's in writing at this point. I think I lost Harry when I started talking about the Dome Patrol. I'm sorry. I like my history, so I'll start talking about it. <laughs> so let's, let's kind of fast forward into the 2018 season the draft is tonight and for the remainder of this weekend um but let's let's look into next year's schedule as you know last week last thursday the nfl uh released their schedule for the 2018 season we're going to break down each game game by game and we're going to give you i'm going to give you my way too early prediction as far as what the saints look like steven's going to give you his as well and particularly what the nfc south could look like um, going into next season. So we're going to just just hang tight with this. Uh, really want to hit hit on um, each game. Give us your thoughts after each pick. Week 1, September 9th versus the Bucks. Uh, little tidbit here. The Saints haven't won an opener 
home opener since 2013. Uh, but when they have opened up against the Bucks, it's usually a win. So for me, I, I don't think that there's enough that the Bucks can do in the draft that could get them on the same level as the Saints. I'm going Saints starting out 1-0. and Well, I like I like this Buccaneers team, you know, I uh, I thought they were going to make a big jump in 2017. That didn't that didn't happen. But I think they can get back on track just as long as they uh, upgrade upgrade that pass rush. But uh, here's the thing that ha- that I have working against the Buccaneers. You know, they're they're a young team, but they're emotional and inexperienced. So Correct. And not to mention they have to go into the Saints building. So uh, the Saints are in more of a position of strength entering uh, the 2018 season they've still got that mentality of from 2017 of this is our year the Buccaneers have that mentality that they have something to prove so I think that uh, this will be this will be more of a challenging uh, matchup than what you would expect when it comes to you know the win-loss record from 2017 but I have the Saints prevailing ultimately the Bucks will have to uh, pick up steam elsewhere all right so moving along quickly to week two against the Browns don't laugh folks but this could actually be a trap game week two of the season. As you know, the Browns very active in free agency. Look to have the draft. Uh, they're going to have a big night tonight as well. Uh, you and I talked about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we think that the NFL probably did the Saints a favor by playing them this early in the year. Yeah. And here's why I like the Browns for this for this matchup. Not necessarily to win, but to give but to get the Saints a challenge. Very good run defense. And it can get better depending on what they do in the draft if they take Bradley Chubb with the number four overall pick. Uh, you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna be easy for them. But uh, I think that given the given the choice between Drew Brees and Tyrod Taylor, uh, assuming that Taylor uh, starts and you know, a guy like Mayfield doesn't completely blow Hugh Jackson and company away, I trust Drew Brees to make the throws to. To win the game more than do Tyrod Taylor, especially if Greg Williams yep. uh, continues to do this stupid thing where he lines up Drew Peppers in in the grandstand. So I uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take the Saints here. But then again, the Browns are an opponent that has, has burned the Saints before. Uh, those of you who remember the uh, Tim Couch game back in '99. So, but then again, different era, different mentality for both teams at that time. So, but. It's worth remembering. Maybe a little homecoming for Greg Williams as well with the Saints. Uh, No-brainer here for me, guys. I'm going New Orleans Saints. We start out 2-0. Week three, we hit the road up to Atlanta uh, to the Mercedes-Benz. They just, they still are named. Yeah. What do, you, what do you call that? But anyway. I, I, I call it, there's no originality in stadiums anymore. Everyone's, everyone builds a stupid dome to attract a Super Bowl, and, you know, we've had plenty of conversations in the office about how much I uh, dislike, well, actually, then again, the Saints did it first, so I guess the Saints dome is okay, but uh, everyone else's dome is kind of stupid. So, to carry over from last year, you know, it was a heated battle, both matchups. Always is. Always is. One of the greatest rivalries in the South. Um, At Atlanta, I'm going to go, I'm going to give this one to the Falcons. Um, I think that that defense, they're, they're revamping uh, the Falcons. They, they moved Vic Beasley down to the defensive end. That could give um, the Saints offensive line some trouble with his speed. So um, any any objections there? I don't. I, uh, I like the Falcons at home, too, because uh, the Falcons, I feel, are, are good from a roster standpoint in the sense that they've got they've still got that Super Bowl caliber type roster, and it's early enough in the season uh, when the Saints meet them first that uh, – 
I feel like one of the problems that the Falcons are going to have is that, you know, both the Super Bowl loss and the uh, loss to the Eagles last year, it's going to be in their head just mm. in terms of, oh, are we a cursed team? Are we destined you know, not to win anything? So, but I think I think as time goes on, that might set in more than it would in week three. So, I, uh, I, like, I like the Falcons here. And to kind of speed not, things. Probably not a popular take. Yeah, but. just not a popular take right now. But kind of speeding things along week four and five. You go to New York to face the Giants. Then you come back home to the Redskins. I've got the Saints going 2-0 on that stretch right there. Bringing them uh, up to 4-1 and through heading into the bye week. I disagree. I think... Uh, I think that this this pick for the Giants at least has been made based on their 2017 record. The Giants were a three and thirteen team. They're not a three and thirteen roster, uh, especially with what you've got now with a new head coach, Pat Shermer, who pres- presumably knows how to run an offense better than Ben McAdoo did. And you've also got uh, Dave Gettleman, who's you know kind of a coach in the front office. You know, no no sure. no BS. You know, do do your job or get out of here. So I think uh, I think the Giants are going to be shaped up by now. Plus, they're pl- they're playing uh, they're playing outdoors. They're playing in the Meadowlands. Always a tough place for uh, for opposing offenses to come in because of the wind. Uh, I think that the Giants will have found their groove by week four, and they'll uh, and they'll prevail in this matchup. Moving along to week seven, uh, the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Okay, Craig, we didn't. Did we? Uh, I, I don't think I said anything about the Redskins. I have them losing the Redskins. Oh, of course. Right That's now. it's a no-brainer there, as you know. Yeah. Last year. Uh, the meltdown in the Redskins, or you could call it a meltdown, or just one heck of a comeback by I, the Saints. Yeah, I think uh, I think you know Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith is a lateral move, so I don't expect there to be much of uh, much of a change there. And so then we move on to Week Seven at Baltimore Crab Cakes and Football. That's all they do up there. But I have the Ravens taking one big fat L to the Saints. Yeah. What would you like better? Uh, Crab cakes or crawfish? Oh, man, I'm a southern guy. I got to go crawfish. So, uh, And obviously, I know this crowd right here. They're going to say crawfish as well. So, um, Week 8, the rematch that we've all been waiting for, um, especially Marcus Williams, has probably had this circled on his calendar from day one at Minnesota. Um, A big sour taste in their mouth how the season ended last year. They were so close. Um, One missed tackle. And... You know, I, I don't blame Marcus Williams because it happens to it happens to everyone. Um, just one bad luck play, but they go to Minnesota. I think that that still lingers with them. Uh, I think that it's going to be a close game, but I'm picking the Vikings on that. The one. problem here is that you're going to have the Vikings home crowd really into this game because you know it's it's one of those things that you usually get in rematches where the home crowd comes in and they're like, we own you, we, uh, we've got this. And they're going to put their support behind the Vikings uh, full force, especially now that they've got, uh, they've got Kirk Cousins, who is a bit more of an arm than, you know, I like Case, Case Keenum, but yep. Cousins can make more throws than he can. So uh, so I, ha- I have the Vikings here as well. And the moving on, the, another difficult matchup you're going to see is week nine against the Los Angeles Rams. And I mean, who didn't they sign in free agency this year? Their defense improved, their offense improved, even from last season. So I think with that being a rematch, actually being back home in New Orleans, I give I give the advantage to the Saints in this one. I'm going to disagree. I think uh, I think if, if the Rams were able to, uh, to combat the Saints as they did last year in the LA Coliseum, you know what? I, I like defensive lines, and quite, quite frankly, if you've got a situation where the Duncan Sue can attract, can attract, you know, no double teams because you've got, you know, Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald 
uh, and that linebacking quarter contend with, you know, I I think uh, I think the Saints are going to have a tough time. So I mean, even even in uh, the Superdome, I, I have the Rams taking this one. Moving along to Week Ten, we go to Cincinnati. Um, I think with again, this seems like this would be a, an, a cupcake per se for the Saints. Could be difficult on the road though. I still have the Saints winning up that. The Bengals, the Bengals are a mixed bag. You, you don't know what you're going to get from them from year to year. Uh, ultimately, I do have the Saints prevailing, but you know, depending on where the Bengals are at this point in the season, it could be difficult, but it could be a cupcake. Yeah. You know, that, and that's the problem with making predictions like this way before the season starts. You can't account for injuries. You can't account for you know teams, you know, in, insurrections like you had with the Giants last year. Yep. You know. And speaking of injuries, moving along to Week 11 with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, as we know, Super Bowl champions coming to New Orleans. Huge matchup in the Superdome. Unfortunately, I like the Eagles in this one. I think getting Wentz back with that offense, um, I, I think the Saints will stumble in this one as well. What, do, what are your thoughts? I, th- I think uh, I think being the defending Super Bowl champions, you know, d- definitely helps the team in this in this case. And I think the Eagles are good enough. You know, I don't necessarily have them going back to back this year, but I think they'll be they'll be a contender. They'll make they'll make plenty of noise, and I think they'll uh, they'll make noise in this match. They'll win this one. And so, with coming off a loss, they get the big one circled on Thanksgiving I night. I love this matchup on Thanksgiving night. This I love the NFL did this. This is perhaps the most most must watch game of the year, and I'm not just saying that from a Saints point of view. I'm saying a you get the rivalry. B, the NFC South is going to be on the line. C, you know, playoffs are on the line. And D, it's Thanksgiving night. Yeah. This is prime time. It's a good opportunity for the Saints to cook bird. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – I, I, I'm with you here as well. I think they're going to have a two-course bird meal that day, turkey and falcon. So um, that will push the Saints up to 8-3 and three, heading into Week 13 with another pivotal matchup on the road against America's team and the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, here, here's what I like about this matchup: two very good rushing attacks. But, here, but here's the thing: you know the Saints have a two-pronged one, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. The Cowboys are more old-fashioned. They've got they've got Ezekiel Elliott as their as their mail carrier, and uh, you know the the other guy they've got is Rod Smith, the fullback. So I uh, I would take the uh, I would take the more dynamic attack here to uh, to prevail in this one, especially considering that. Uh, with Des Bryant's release, the Cowboys yep. receiving core is now you know, more question mark. So, again, I think with that being on the road, I say that's a tough matchup. Coming off an emotional win against the Falcons on Thanksgiving night, uh, I'm going to give a small, small window of opportunity for the Cowboys to take this one from the Saints. Uh, moving on to Week 14, we're back in division play here um, against Tampa Bay. Uh, in Tampa Bay, I should say. Uh, I, I think the Saints will continue to roll on this one. Get uh, get to nine and four at this point during the season. I've got the uh, I've got the Buccaneers splitting the series with the Saints. I think by you know I documented the, the challenge that the Bucks are going to have in Week One, but I think you know assume, assuming that the Bucks do what I think they will, I think by this point in the season they'll have found their groove. They'll have a little have a little mojo. They'll be contending for a playoff spot, and they'll smell what's cooking in the kitchen. And I think that'll carry them over the. Uh, over the Saints, especially considering that you know they get they've got a home game and they have a pirate ship. Yeah, the, absolutely. Saints, I, I love Raymond James Stadium. It's, it's my absolute favorite in the league. 
So the final couple of weeks of the draw of the season are pivotal games. We go on the road in week 15 to the Panthers. I think the the last year uh, the Panthers are ready for some revenge. They, very, they had the Panthers number last year. I am year. very surprised that the NFL kept uh, kept Saints Panthers runs until this point in the season. And uh, here's the challenge that you have with this with this match. The Panthers have never had consecutive winning seasons, even when they won the NFC South uh, three times. They went seven and nine in 2014 mm-hmm. between you know, going to the divisional round 13, going to the Super Bowl in 15. Uh, but he, but here's the thing: regardless of what the record records are, you're gonna have a Panthers team that's PO'd that they got swept by the Saints last year, and you're gonna have a fan base that's PO'd that they got swept <laughs> by the Saints. Well, you know, not not to mention that they kept them from, uh, from trying to make another run at the Super Bowl. So I uh, I think Bank of America Stadium is a tough place to play, uh, especially especially in December, where uh, you know you've got uh, the weather's. Temperature starting to come down. You and I both know that, having yep. our backgrounds in North Carolina. Uh, so I have the Panthers winning this one. So we're going to move on to Week 16 at home with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, at this point, we've got the Saints at 9-5 coming home. The Steel Curtain, more like a little rug for me. I'm going with the Saints big in this one. No, I, I, for, for me personally, I, I, still, I, I still have that Steelers to speak. I think... Uh, I think even though with the loss of the Jaguars in the playoffs last year, you had some of the you know Steelers culture problems be kind of exposed. You still have Le'Veon Bell and you still have Antonio Brown to make you know some of those BS plays that they, that sure. they usually do that completely break the game. So I'll uh, I'll take the Steelers here. And finally, Week 17, a massive matchup between NFC South rivals. The New Orleans Saints will host the Panthers. Uh, with an eye, this game means a lot, folks. I think at this point in the season, the NFC South title will be on the line. Um, home field uh, for the first round will be on the line for the Saints as well. I think uh, with that, they got them. They got them in, in Charlotte, so they come back. The Saints win that, and uh, then we, we, we wait and see what happens the rest of that afternoon. You know what? You know what I like about the uh, about the Saints in this matchup. It's in the Panthers' head. It is. It, it, it's 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 in their head that oh geez, we gotta go, we gotta go into New Orleans. We gotta deal with the fans. We gotta deal with uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's why that's why I had the Saints taking this one. I, and I think uh, where does that leave between yours and mine? Where does that leave the Saints overall? My way too early pick, and you can check, you can take this one to the bank for you folks right now. Eleven and five, NFC South champions with a home playoff game. You know what? I I really like the Saints to win the NFC South as well, because here's here's why. I alluded to the problems that the uh, that the Falcons and Buccaneers have in terms of their mentalities. You know, I to restate. You know, the Falcons it's kind of in their head that they've had some opportunities to win it all and you know, let it slip away. The Buccaneers are still you know fledgling. They're still Cubs. They're still trying to figure it all out. With the Panthers, I think the reason why they can't enter the season in a position of strength is because their, their core is getting older. Mm-hmm. They're running; their Super Bowl window is running out. So I think it's going to be in their head that you know, oh, we got to we got to do it, we got to do it this year. We got to, you know, we've got guys retiring. We got to get the Super Bowl rings. We got to get back. We got to get back to the top of the mountain. We got to do it now. You know, which isn't a good mentality to have, as opposed to you know the Saints, where you know you're coming off. You're coming up with a disappointing end to last season, but you know when you're young enough and your Super Bowl window is open that early, you know it becomes you know next year, dang it, next year. So that's why I like uh, the Saints for the NFC South. Well, that's perfect. We agree on that. Not on the entire games throughout the season, but 
You heard it here first. New Orleans Saints will be your 2018-2019 NFC South champions. Uh, with that being said, big draft night tonight. Make sure you stay tuned to 24-7 Sports. If you haven't already, go sign up for the newsletter. You can check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, if you want to take Houdat Nation live with you. Again, we want to thank you all for being in here today. We want to thank Stephen for coming on. Thank you. I'm, ha I'm happy to be on here. And if I'm you can stand my... Uh, I'm happy to have my Archie Manning on because, uh, you know, you and I talked about this and we, we decided this would be a pretty popular uh, decision between um, between my Morgan Anderson, my uh, my Steve Gleason, my Sam Mills. This is the one we settled on. I think it's a, it looks good on camera. I think it's a good choice. It looks good on camera and it looks good on you, Stevie. You know what also looks good is a great draft night for the Saints. Stay locked in 24-7 sports where we talk your team all the time. For Steven Toronto, I'm Brandon Long. Everyone have a great, great weekend.